0: Hello travellers and welcome to podcast 27 in our series You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder
1: and me Mick Webb and our subject this week is new frontiers. Now while Simon I know for a fact has been um, jetting around um, I've been sitting at home mostly in front of a computer and following with fascination the bewildering changes in frontiers and restrictions that have been appearing apparently at the drop of a hat, reminding us what an arbitrary exercise in power frontiers really are. I came upon this, what I thought was a very good quote from a Council of Europe document from the year 2002, which said that um, frontiers are the scars of history and the wounds and injuries of the present, which I think is extremely uh, appropriate for the moment. Um, But anyway, Simon, while I've been sitting around doing not very much, I know that you've been um, travelling across multiple frontiers, and you have not just contributed to, but fallen foul of the implacable judge and jury of social media.
0: I have. I spent a fascinating two days exploring the new frontiers within the common travel area, which broadly consists of what used to be called the British Isles. So that's the UK, uh, Republic of Ireland. Um, I didn't actually get to the Isle of Man or uh, to the Channel Islands. I wouldn't have been allowed in. But I thought I was keeping on the right side of the rules, having researched them very deeply, um, except when I was waiting to depart on a Ryanair flight from uh, Gatwick to Dublin on Thursday morning. I was respectfully wearing a mask while at the same time being interviewed live by Ben Shepherd on ITV's Good Morning Britain. The travel industry has been absolutely furious about this and it now looks as though pretty much everywhere from Monday will be open to us. Uh, The question marks are Sweden, which won't make the list, possibly Portugal, although I'm getting indications that Portugal will be allowed... Along with Turkey as the main non-EU destination. Okay. I'm not sure how long I can stay with you because um, uh, they started the uh, engines. And, uh, oh, excuse me. Yes, yes, and your nose is starting to appear as well, Simon.
1: <laughs> ben Shepherd wasn't the only one who spotted the fact that your your mask had slipped, and there was quite a lot of outrage about it.
0: Uh, There was, um, including in the sun, um, and uh, I eventually was not uh, uh, penalised or prosecuted and actually arrived um, in the Irish capital 20 minutes early, which is absolutely standard these days because of the absence of any other air traffic. Now, at that stage, I would have had to self-isolate for two weeks, except that I could deploy the Derry Dodge, producing a pre-booked bus ticket from Dublin Airport to Northern Ireland's second city, thereby avoiding two weeks in quarantine.
1: Uh but but why was that? Presumably if you were a carrier of the virus, you'd still have given it to um, uh, people.
0: It's all to do with the Irish sense of unity, and they are prepared to take the risk because, of course, they um, fundamentally want the frontier between the Republic and Northern Ireland erased. And as a result of that desire to break down a border, um, those of us who wish to travel between Great Britain and the island of Ireland, um, are able to exploit that loophole.
1: Now, you're, you're, you're not the only person to um, deploy a dodge um, to uh, get round what appear to be um, rules, even if they're not quite laws. Um, we, of course, had Dominic Cummings um, earlier on in the pandemic with the um, infamous Durham Dodge. And then this week, we've had... Um, Uh, The Sophia Swerve, which was the manoeuvre performed by the Prime Minister's dad, Stanley Johnson. What he did was to get round the ban on direct flights from the UK to Greece by getting a ticket to Sofia in Bulgaria, and then another one from Bulgaria to um, Athens, I I presume. And then when he was taken to task over this, quite rightly, I thought, he said this. Now, of course, I would have um, engaged an actor to voice his words, but uh, we don't have any money, so, so I haven't. But this is actually what he said to the Daily Mail... I'm in Pelion on essential business, trying to COVID-proof my property in view of the upcoming letting season. I need to set up distancing measures because they're taking it very seriously here. Now, I know some people uh, reacted by saying fair play, but the way you could read that is um, they're taking it very seriously here, i.e. in Greece, whereas... In the UK. We're not taking it nearly as seriously. And more to the point, um, according to the Greek regulations, he actually doesn't need to Covid-proof his property at all. So um, I can't help but wonder, well, um, why wasn't he quarantined?
0: Ah, well, the Greeks would allow people to come in via Bulgaria. Um, it's what what they're particularly against is, as he put it, this is the um, uh, again Prime Minister's father talking about people arriving in bulk. That's you and me from the UK, and obviously this idea of an elite to whom rules don't apply also was um, brought up by Nigel Farage. Now, pay attention to these dates, Mick. I'm not going to do any. Nigel Farage impressions. Although I thought yours of yours of um, of Stanley Johnson was so good, I imagine you were separated at birth. Um, so Nigel Farage, leader of the Brexit Party, was we know in the United States on Saturday the twentieth of June. Um, he could not have arrived back before. Sunday the 21st of June, which means that since quarantine begins on the day after he arrived in the UK, the earliest he's permitted to leave self-isolation is 12.01am on Monday the 6th of July. But indeed, at lunchtime on the Saturday, so two days earlier, he tweeted, um, I'm, I'm in the pub, basically. Isn't this marvellous? Um, at which point, um, well, I presume The authorities have already imposed a £1,000 fixed penalty. Um, And he he also tweeted when people started pointing out the fact that he was uh, breaking his quarantine um, and uh, he was no longer in, and this is wonderful law, he was no longer self-isolating in any garden, yard, passage, stair, garage, outhouse or other appurtenance of his premises, um, uh, that uh, he he was um, breaking the rules. But then he said, no, I've been tested. The result was negative. And of course, that's completely irrelevant. So because there's no option under the present legislation for a test as an alternative to quarantine um, without wishing to stray into legal territory, I think the technical term is um, bang to rights.
1: (laughs) If um, but when you were unmasked, did you um, actually fall back on some um, dodgy excuse to explain your um, your behaviour?
0: No, I apologise to um, uh, everybody around me and indeed to the uh, viewing public on ITV and popped my mask back on and kept it there, of course, for the duration of the flight. But I must say, Mick, like Nigel Farage, I made it to a pub. Unlike Nigel Farage, I did it perfectly legally. Um, Here's what happens. Once you get to Derry... Then you're in Northern Ireland, which is fine because uh, you're a UK citizen, no quarantine applies from Ireland. Um, at that point, because you're in Northern Ireland, you are then free to go back across the border with no quarantine requirement at all. And um, therefore, one dark and stormy night, I actually slipped across the border before, uh, for a pint of beer before anybody else could.
1: Well, how how did it feel? Did you sort of feel like a smuggler of some kind, or um, was it exciting in any way?
0: It, it most certainly was. You got the sense that you, perhaps, I, I last felt in, in during the Cold War at Checkpoint Charlie that you were. Actually, going from uh, a, a place, this was Northern Ireland, which at that stage, for a few more hours, had very stringent r- rules on what you could do, into a land of freedom represented by the Treehouse Pub, which is just yards from the uh, international frontier and, not surprisingly, very popular. So I had actually to book in advance. Um, uh, but what a, yes, what it a, a dark and stormy night. Uh, Dermot the cab driver Uh, took me across and it was all, yeah, a little bit um, uh, strange. Of course, the only signal that you get that you've crossed the frontier is when the speed limits change from miles per hour to kilometres per hour. (laughs) Um, Which, uh, if you weren't paying attention, would mean suddenly you could um, put your foot down to 50 miles an hour, which would be very bad. But uh, it was a joy. Um, Not least because Actually, in the Republic, where they had a few days of, of being able to go to the pub, it felt really very normal, except for the um, the staff there, all of whom were wearing masks, even though exactly the people who needed to be wearing masks was all their customers. But
1: there we are. Well, while we've been um, uh, talking about um, dodges and swerves and other ways of getting around the rules or uh, under the radar, I, I was reminded of um, a journey that uh, we made 20 odd years ago, which um, was from Colombia to Panama, which I hadn't really appreciated at the time, but I do now, included something which I'm going to call the Darien Dodge, which I'm sure you'll remember well, because we'd we'd set out to try and cross the Darien Gap, a a, a sort of 80 kilometre stretch of virtually impenetrable jungle between Colombia and Panama. And rather unwisely, we'd approached a very isolated border crossing at night via a rather secluded jungle path, which I'm not sure many other travellers had ever taken. And as we walked along the barely discernible jungle path, we then came upon this wooden table and what looked like an um, uh, abandoned bus shelter. Um, And that was the border uh, post. Uh, And then suddenly there appeared out of the jungle a number of very young um, Panamanian soldiers who asked us um, uh, who we were and what exactly we were doing. And uh, I imagine we must have been
0: the only people who, who... cross that frontier possibly ever. (laughs) Uh, Well yes um, it was quite remarkable they were as they tend to be in that part of the world really very well armed Um, and they were also versed in the bureaucracy they had a typewriter which didn't quite have enough letters and furthermore I seem to remember your Spanish is very good but it still took some some time to convince them that uh, Reino Unido was actually um, the united kingdom and um they really should let us in because we were on the list of people who were regarded as um persona grata
1: yeah well we did have some a, a sort of entry form of some kind on which reino unido was given as as our um uh, place of birth uh, and uh they claimed uh the soldiers claimed that reino unido was not on their list of um of approved countries and therefore we shouldn't come in <laughs> uh, and to back up this point, they uh, they pointed at a, a a list of randomly scrawled uh, countries on the on the wall of the bus shelter, <laughs> amongst which. There wasn't a Reino Unido, I had to admit. But there was a Gran Britannia, Ah. which, of course, is Great Britain. So most of that kind of um, discussion I was involved in with the soldiers was trying to convince them that the two things were the same. And, of course, they wouldn't have any of that. And it was only when we managed to say, excuse me, where is your sergeant, that um, some chap came along and admitted, I think reluctantly, that we should be allowed in. But that was only the start of it, wasn't it? There was then a kind of an interrogation. Interesting um, search procedure, a sort of customs um,
0: mm. um and generally I find I don't get searched that often now, I don't know about you um, most of the time they kind of they're doing a bit of profiling they have a look at you and think well he looks fairly harmless and um, quite possibly doesn't have any cocaine um, but no they they took everything apart and of course they were fantastically interested in why we were uh, taking a year's worth of batteries and assorted tapes and various microphones and 27 different odd microphone cables and all my manner of other stuff because we were not the typical tourists
1: well yeah and I should actually point out that the only reason they were able to search our stuff at all was that the first thing they managed to take out of our uh, one of our rucksacks was a torch because they, they didn't seem to have one so they looked through all our gear and there was all of this tape recording equipment and I had prepared a cock and bull story because we didn't actually have the right visa to be traveling as journalists or to be entering the country as journalists and this was partly because journalists in that part of the world aren't very welcome off and also it was incredibly expensive to buy one of these things so in order to save the license fee payer money Uh, we'd gone in um, undercover as it were with uh, with an ordinary tourist visa and so um, when asked excuse me, senor, what is all this (laughs) recording equipment for? I said, um, well, we are ornithologos.
0: Ah, yes, Um, of course.
1: Ornithologos. (laughs) Yeah. Ornithologists. Um, And uh, the the reason we've got all this stuff is to record the amazing bird sounds of your um, wonderful jungle. Um, And amazingly, they seem to think that was perfectly normal um didn't question it really if i remember Uh, right there's
0: no need to have an ornithological um uh visa which is very good
1: so there we are um we survived to tell the tale and um i think that um the darien dodge or the bill oddy ornithological um dodge might actually be added to the previous list what do you reckon
0: Oh, I think so. It's always good to uh, have some way of uh, uh, ensuring safe passage across uh, these increasingly tricky uh, borders, um, these scars of history. Um, And of course, Panama itself was simply a made-up country, um, dreamed up by the uh, Americans um, because they wanted somewhere to put their big ditch as the uh, canal was um, Known.
1: (laughs) I think if we look at the creation of countries, many of them seem to have uh, appeared um, rather at the whim of some um, powerful government.
0: Uh, And Northern Ireland, of course, um, created in the aftermath of the uprising in Ireland, is is certainly among those. But Derry, as you know, has multiple frontiers. Not only is it on the edge of Northern Ireland, it's also the only complete walled city on the island of Ireland. Um, These Very stout, very effective 17th century walls were built by a consortium of London livery companies, which is why London was um, stuck on the front of the name. And of course, it was created to impose order on the rest of the northwest of Ireland. From these walls, you look down on the River Foyle uh, like natural frontiers it's both a barrier and an artery and there's also a mural welcoming you to free Derry, which um a- around the uh, start of the 1970s was uh, this autonomous nationalist enclave complete with its own own frontier crossings anyway as i was enjoying this uh, scene of, of of scars of history news was emerging of new enclaves mick from leicester now 179 years ago this week Thomas Cook began the democratisation of travel with an outing... Um, which ironically started in Leicester and went as far as Loughborough, but that's not a trip they would be able to uh, make in 2020 and neither would the good people in the wrong postcodes in uh, Dumfries and Galloway, uh, DG1 to um, miscellaneous numbers to 16. They can't go more than five miles while efforts to manage a local outbreak continue. But of
1: course, this is presumably going to be part of the new reality or the new normal, which is that new no-go areas or enclaves will appear at the drop of a hat anywhere where there is a serious outbreak of um, coronavirus cases. For example, um, 400,000 people or more have been locked down in the um, significant um, city of Leda, or it used to be called Lerida in northern Spain, not that far from uh, Barcelona. And as I read it, um, People who were caught up in it, uh, who might have been there because they were travellers or tourists, were given about four hours to get out of town or be locked in. And it actually sounded to me a bit like the, the rules, if you can call them that, of, of the good old Wild West.
0: Hmm, crikey. Uh, it, yes, and creating these, these these enclaves, or indeed exclaves, um, has always been part of history, especially in that part of the world, but not normally um, quite so abruptly.
1: No, that, 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 that is true. Um, they are actually, in normal circumstances, fascinating places to visit. And I was recalling, with the help of an absolutely splendid book which uh, you and I wrote many years ago, called, uh, I couldn't even remember the name of it, but backpacks, boots and baguettes. Uh, that We actually while walking through the Pyrenees, we um, visited one of these, encla- I think I call it an enclave. We, yeah, I don't know what the difference between an enclave and an exclave is actually.
0: If I may, I'll, I'll, I'll just um, explain my understanding of what an enclave is. So an enclave would be something like the free dairy where they create an autonomous unit within somebody else's territory whereas an exclave is where where a sovereign state actually says this is part of our territory, even though it lies in the middle of somebody else's.
1: Ah, in that case, I'm going to redefine Livia as an exclave rather than an enclave. And uh, as it says in our splendid book, it says, um, Livia may look as though it's a brand of health food, but in reality, it's a Spanish town that's entirely surrounded by France. And this qualifies it as one of the few truly urban curiosities in the Pyrenees and is due to some 17th century small print, um, a clause in the Treaty of the Pyrenees that sought to establish a sensible and mutually agreeable frontier between France and Spain. In fact, Livia is more Catalan than Spanish, and if you can find your way to it, it's resolutely ignored by French road signs you'll discover yourself in a pleasant and quite affluent little place with a lively main street and many weekend houses belonging to the middle classes of Barcelona. Well, that's how we judged it from the car number plates when when we visited. Simon and I arrived there on a very warm Sunday and in a rush, as usual. No one else was. They were enjoying a slow aperitif accompanied by the tantalising smell of garlic and olive oil that announces a good long Spanish lunch. We only had time for a hurried coffee, which as a veteran of many Madrid breakfasts, I found reassuringly Spanish. Strong, thick and vaguely sandy. Well, do you remember Livia Simon?
0: I do. And I, I must say, I find the whole idea of exclaves uh, fascinating because there you are exporting your culture into the middle of, of somebody else's nation. And of course, there's many of these um, between, for example, there's, there's um, a whole series of, of Dutch and Belgian enclaves um, dossied around each other's territory um, in the low countries. Um, and of course, don't even get started on on Central Asia and the uh, various um, Uzbek and Kazakh and um, Turkmen and Kyrgyzstan. Um, it's, uh, 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 that's, I think, the most muddled frontier territory in the world um and back in Derry meanwhile I even found my own little travel corridor because when you hop on the train which by the way in Northern Ireland unlike in England um you are allowed to do without uh, uh breaking the letter the, the spirit if not the letter of the law um I was halfway across Northern Ireland on my way to uh, Belfast International Airport when um The day turned very strange indeed, because suddenly, um, bing, uh, two conflicting lists from the Foreign Office and the Department for Transport turned up, which were designed to set us free, but instead have just merely multiply confused everybody.
1: Now, yes, um, they've certainly confused me because I was looking forward to traffic lights and air bridges and all kinds of things. But they seem to have disappeared.
0: Uh, yes, they did uh, disappear very, very abruptly. Uh, the traffic light system, which was going to grade various parts of the world as red, don't go there. Um, AMDA, where you can go there, but you might suddenly find yourself quarantined when you come back. Or green, which is, uh, no, we, we, we like and trust this place. And that was all forgotten about by Friday morning and then Friday afternoon the lists came out now I say lists because we were expecting just one at the same time due to this fantastic joined up government we were going to see the foreign office saying uh, we do not advise against all but essential travel everywhere here's our list of countries where you can go to and at the same time an identical list from the department for transport saying and if you go to these places you won't need to quarantine but no we got two completely different lists I genuinely make have no idea why they didn't think well let's sit down we've got these lists let's um let's check uh, um work out who's naughty and who's nice um in the manner of um uh, Santa Claus and just get all this nailed on the head, but no, so you've got uh, first of all lots of irrelevance, and I suspect that the work experience person um was was uh old just find some more countries that nobody's ever going to go, to go to so it can bulk up the numbers a bit so no one's going to be going to Pitcairn or wallace or F- wallace and Futuna, um but there's huge disparities so you can go with the blessing of the foreign office to canada estonia latvia malaysia thailand but the department for transport says nope you're going to have to quarantine when you come back um If you take the two big and beautiful French islands in the Eastern Caribbean, that's Guadeloupe and Martinique. um, One is on the Foreign Office list. It's good to go to uh, uh, Martinique. Um... Uh, you can't go to Guadeloupe, um, uh, according to the Foreign Office. Although that is, of course, just advice. But when you come from Guadeloupe, you won't need to do quarantine. When you come back from Martinique, you will, even though the Foreign Office said it was um, uh, uh, it was okay to go there. And heaven help you if you travel between the two.
1: I I suppose um, it would be funny if it wasn't actually um, potentially tragic. But uh, now, look, what happens if you actually look at one of these lists and I presume if you have to uh, choose the one to follow is the foreign office one because that at least will validate any travel insurance that you've got but what happens if you're away and suddenly well look let's say you are um, uh, I don't know in Malaga looking forward to your beach holiday and uh, suddenly it is locked down and you're given three hours to leave town or remain there for 14 days.
0: Well I think many people would grab the opportunity to get out. You might recall at the start of this whole miserable business, there was um, a local outbreak in Tenerife in a hotel and everybody was locked in for days on end. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything quite like that, but it's entirely possible that the uh, UK government or the English government or Welsh or Scots or Northern Irish will say, okay, uh, yeah, a bit of trouble in Malaga, so everybody who's arrived on that. Um, easy jet plane you've all got to go home and self-isolate for two weeks but i've got to go to work i've got to go to school i've got to go and look after my mum well i'm afraid you can't do that that is the nature that, that's the reality of um, modern tourism in the age of coronavirus i'm afraid
1: i oh, will roll on that vaccine but how did your exciting journey to um northern ireland and ireland uh, finish up
0: Well, uh, the the main thing compared with 20th century travel is that going to Belfast International Airport, there are no longer the army checkpoints that used to punctuate the whole journey Um, as you approach there would be increasingly stern checks Um, but there is when you get there a new one not to ensure that you're not carrying weapons but to make sure that you are wearing a mask then of course the the frontier that all of us are used to before any flight that's the border between land side and air side Um, but interestingly due to a mix up of boarding passes I actually made the journey as jamie bowden my traveling companion while he was simon calder so uh, not just a um a a muddle of borders but also something of an identity crisis um however we made it back without um uh, any further disarray um and um i must say i'm looking forward to my next journey which will be no doubt full of surprises and i'm also looking to our next podcast what's what's it going to be about
1: well, I wondered whether um, the idea of travelling light might be a decent subject.
0: That sounds good. We've all got to be fleet of foot in the uh, new normal. Um, excellent. I shall uh, uh, look forward to researching how big a packet of crisps I can take as my cabin baggage on Ryanair.
1: So until next week's podcast, of you should have been there, it's goodbye from me, Mick Webb.
0: And from me, Simon Corder. Goodbye. <laughs>